Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Free Reads Podcast. This time, we conclude Love Story. I wrote this one to win an award. It didn't. But Love Story remains one of my favorite stories. In 1997, I was asked to serve as a juror for the James Tiptree Jr. Award. The Tiptree is an annual literary prize for science fiction and fantasy that explores and expands the roles of women and men for work written by both women and men. The founding mothers of the Tiptree Award charged the jury to find a work of fiction that combines literary excellence with some kind of, quotes, gender-bending. It's up to each year's jury to decide what gender criteria to use. After spending a year reading for the Tiptree, I was of a mind to bend some gender myself. Love Story was the result. It first appeared in the June 1998 issue of Asimov's. When I brought Love Story to be critiqued at the Sycamore Hill Writer's Workshop, several people wondered aloud whether there was any percentage in creating a planet, an alien species, and an advanced culture as a backdrop for a single novelette. Was this part of a series? An outtake from a novel? I confess that I have never been tempted to return to this world and these people. Maybe that's because I was so pleased with the experience of writing Love Story. It took me almost two months to research and write the first two sections. Then I cranked through the last section in five days. Every other sentence felt like a breakthrough. I remember when I typed, Reality was a decision, and nobody here was making it that I was so excited I had to get up from the computer and walk around the house. I hadn't really known what the story was about until then. Love Story did make the Tiptree shortlist for 1998, but it didn't win. Sure, I was a little disappointed, but that didn't last. On the other hand, Love Story has. Love Story Helen thought she could feel the baby swimming inside her. Impossible. The baby was no bigger than her thumb. It was blind and hairless and weak and brainless, or nearly so. Couldn't swim, didn't even know he was alive. The baby wasn't moving. She knew that the waves she felt were made by the muscles of her own uterus. The contractions weren't painful more like the lurch of flying through turbulence. Only this was predictable turbulence, a storm on a schedule. The contractions were coming more frequently, despite her fierce concentration. It was what distressed her most about giving birth. Valen had gotten used to being in control, especially of her own body. The humans had almost complete control of their bodies, it was their astonishing medicine that had drawn her to them. 
They had escaped from nature, vanquished diseases, stretched lifespans to the brink of immortality. They managed their emotions, commanded their thoughts, summoned inspiration at will. And on those rare occasions when they reproduced, well, they could play their genome like a flute. There were no stupid humans, no wasted space in their population, no mother was inconvenienced by labor. <sighs> another lurch. Too soon for another contraction. Then she realized it was the go-to decelerating, coming to a station. The readout in the front bulkhead lit up. Uskun. Less than half an hour until she was home. <laughs> Plenty of time. She didn't want to be traveling while she was in labor, but this was the only way to have the baby on her terms. Mothers were supposed to give birth in the nursery with their happy families gathered around them. She would be in the nursery soon enough, only she doubted that the family would be all that happy to see her. Ma'am would be vastly relieved, maybe that was within sight of happiness. Silmian, however, would be furious that she was forcing this baby on him and then leaving him to care for it with Ma'am. He'd strike the martyr's pose, maybe even write about it. The scrap? She probably hated Valen. Valen would have hated her mother had she done something like this when she was a tween. Tween's deepest feelings were for themselves. She'd grow out of it. Valen had heard that he had named her Tevil after the heroine of that story he liked so much. Was it Drinking the Rain? No, the other one. But then Silmian liked too many stories too much. The world was not a story. Thinking about them made Valen feel like the loneliest person in the universe. Part of her desperately wanted to go back to stay. She longed to sleep and eat and breathe again with her family. But not to talk. If she told them what she had learned, it might destroy them. Living with the humans had not made her happy at all. Indeed, most of the outs in Palato were miserable. Valen now knew what she had only suspected when she left the family. The world they had been born into was a lie. There was no reason for the laws of birth order. No reason why she or Silmian or Ma'am or their little scraps should have such brutally short lifespans. Mams could be mothers, mothers could nurse, outs could have babies. No reason why there had to be families at all. Of course, the humans did not advocate change. They offered only information. It was up to each intelligent species to decide how to use it except that their message was corrosive as acid. Everything was negotiable. Reality was a decision. And no one here was making it. This idea had infected Valen's imagination. Even if all the families took from the humans was the ability to prolong lives, the rigid structure of their culture must surely crumble. She wasn't sure what would come after, or who. Perhaps those people, those outs, would be happy. 
but how could anyone alive today bear to watch the family's collapse? Valen didn't want to inflict that future on Silmian and Ma'am and the scrap, so she had exercised her right of silence and cut them off entirely. If they wanted to learn what she had, they would have to choose as she had chosen. But her silence had isolated Valen from the ones she loved most. She belonged to no family now, only to herself. She was alone, but it was not what she had wanted. Alone. She drifted alone on the whisper of the go-to. And dreamed of smells. The sweetness of rain brushing her nose like a lace veil. The honey cup he had put behind her ear. He loved to pick flowers and give them to her. The velvet scent of grass crushed beneath the weight of warm bodies. It had been so long ago that they had made this baby, much more than the traditional two years, that she had forgotten where it had happened. Under the moons? Out in the fields? And her head filled with the husky father smell that was like a lick between the legs. Then the hot, silky bouquet of sex. She felt as if there were a hand inside her, squeezing. The pressure was not cruel, but rather the firm grip of a lover. Silmian. His name caught in her throat. Valen started awake at the sound of her own voice. The seat beneath her was damp with the yeasty soup of her birth waters. Oh, no, she said. Ten more minutes. She focused all her attention on the knot under her belly, and the pressure eased. A little. Lucky there were no other passengers in the compartment. Luck always, Silmian had said on the night she had left him. Why did he keep popping into her head? Concentrate. She was thinking womb thoughts as the go-to stopped at their station, and she walked on candy-stick legs to their burrow and announced herself to their doorbot. Valen? Silmian flung the door open. I, I can't believe... His nostrils flared as he took in her scent. What have you done? Come home for the holidays. She was trying for a light touch, but when she stepped into the burrow, her body betrayed her and she stumbled, like crunching through a skim of ice, except that ice seemed to have formed in her head, too. When Silmian caught her, she slumped into his arms. She knew she ought to be embarrassed for losing control. But not now. Tomorrow, maybe. Felt good not to be standing on her own. Tevel! Silmian shouted. Ma'am! They carried her to the nursery and laid her on Ma'am's settle. The ice in her head cracked and began to melt. Something different about the nursery, but she couldn't pick it out at first. The water rug still brimmed, its damp breath filling the room. Love story next to Ma'am's settle. Wedding pictures above the pool, Ma'am and Valen and Silmian. The tell murmured in its familiar corner. Then Valen realized the obvious. No toys, no lines of ants marching up the walls, no miniature settle in the corner. As she had expected, 
the scrap was home from the gardens for the lunar eclipse. But she was a visitor now, and would certainly not be staying in the nursery. She was probably sleeping in Valen's settle, next to Silmian. And where would Valen sleep that night? She shivered and saw her whole family gathered around her, as if she had just fallen out of a tree. Valen giggled. That seemed to fluster them even more. Tevil, she nodded at the scrap. Sweet name, fills the tongue. Tevil stared as if she thought her mother was insane. I'm sorry I wasn't at your naming, Valen said. Life in the gardens agrees with you? It's all right. You're learning a lot. Making new friends? What do you want? said Silmian. What has happened? Valen, did they do this to you? said Ma'am. The aliens? What? said Tubble. Somebody tell me what's going on. She's having the baby, said Silmian. Smell it. She can't be. Tubble looked from Silmian to Ma'am and finally at Valen. We just learned that in biology. You have to be exposed to all ma'am's pheromones in order to bring an embryo out of latency. You're still supposed to be in diapause. This is their work, ma'am said. Choosing what to tell them was the hardest thing Valen had ever done. She didn't explain how she had lied about being invited to live with the humans. She had simply gotten tired of waiting and had gone to them on her own. It turned out that was the only way to gain access. The humans never actually invited anyone. All the outs in Palato were self-selected. Self-condemned. Nor could she tell them about the longevity treatments, the first reward for those who sought human knowledge. The problem was that pregnant mothers could not be rejuvenated, even if their embryos were latent. She said nothing of how the humans had offered to remove the embryo from her womb and how she had almost left Pilato then. That was too much story. Her time was getting short. She could feel her womb nodding again. By the end of the rainy season, she said, I started to worry that some other family's pheromones might be similar enough to yours to trigger a quickening but by then the scrap had already left for the gardens. I'm Tevil, said the scrap. You can say my name. So I had already missed the weaning, Valen continued, and the chance to share sense with all of you. The humans told me that they could end diapause artificially so I could control when I had the baby. I was sure that you all still wanted him. So I agreed. And... Here I am. I timed him for the eclipse so that we could all, as a family, I, I mean... <gasps> there was a sudden, vast, and inevitable loosening inside of her, and once again she felt her body slipping from her control, something trickling, tickling through her birth canal. You should have told us. Somian's scent was bitter as a nut. Why did this have to be a surprise? Because she isn't staying, said ma'am. 
You want to go back to the aliens, isn't that it? You're humans. She made it sound like a curse. Who are you having this baby for? Us or yourself? Ma'am, I... Valen pumped her knees together convulsively, then spread them wide apart. The baby. She kneaded her belly. Help, Silmian. Silmian and Tevel rallied to her. No question that she could feel the baby now, wriggling, pulling himself into her vagina with his ridiculous little arms. It occurred to her that at this moment in time, she had family inside and out. What odd thoughts she was having tonight. She giggled again. The scrap was licking her face and sobbing. Ma, ma, ma. Oh, ma. Valen could feel Silmian's hands on her vulva, delicately opening her as he had opened her just once before, controlling her as only a father could. Fingers basketed to catch the baby. She had forgotten how much pleasure there was in giving birth, ecstasy of mind and body, to smell hot, wet life scrabbling toward the world. Oh, she said, as the final dribble of birth waters leaked out of her. And Silmian held the baby high, offering it to the moons. Oh. Silmian brought the baby down, so that she and Tevel could see. He was just four centimeters long and almost lost in the palm of his proud father's hand. He, he's so tiny, so pink, said Tevel. Where are his eyes? They'll grow. Silmian's voice was husky. He brought the baby to his face and cleaned him gently with the tip of his tongue. The baby's mouth opened and closed. The arms wriggled uselessly. Stop! The harshness of Mam's voice startled Valen. What are you doing? Washing the baby, said Silmian. There is no baby. Valen propped herself on an elbow, her head savagely cleaned of the moist joy of birth. Mam's scent was like a hook up her nose. Valen had never smelled anyone so angry. Here, Silmian offered it to her. See it. A baby has a mother, said Ma'am. There is no mother here, only a father. This is an experiment by the humans. Take it back to them. Tell them that it has failed. Ma'am. No, ma'am, said Tevel. He can only live outside a few minutes. He has to start crawling to your pouch now. L look, he's, he's already shivering. Ma'am, said Silmian, our baby will die. Then put it on her, ma'am turned contemptuously to Valen. Let her open her pouch. Let her love it. I, I have no pouch, ma'am, said Valen. Only you can take care of him. She could see that the baby was distressed. Please tell me what you want. He curled into a ball and unrolled with a spasm. Ma'am, I'll do anything. Whatever crumb of brain the baby had must have registered that something was wrong. He should already be threading through his ma'am's fur, 
not still flailing across his father's hand. I have nothing to say to an out, said ma'am. I will talk to its mother. Does anyone know where she is? There's no time for this, said Somian. I'm Valen, the mother. What do you want from me, Tata? Valen could tell that it had been a long time since anyone had used Ma'am's name. I'm Valen, the mother. Ma'am's eyes narrowed. I want you to care about someone other than yourself, she said. I want your story to be a love story, Valen. Valen struggled up off the settle. The world spun crazily for a few seconds, but she got it under control. She cupped her hands and extended them to Silmian. Give him to me. He brought his hands on top of hers and opened them. Silmian was sobbing as the baby slid onto her palm. Valen had never held a baby before. It weighed less than a berry, and yet it was as heavy a burden as she had ever carried. Will you take my place, Tata? She nodded at the settle. Ma'am hesitated for a moment, but then stretched out, facing Valen. She kept her legs closed, however, and clutched her knees to her chest to cover her pouch. Valen held the baby just above her. Tata, Silmian, Tevel, I will stay with you, and be this one's mother. Valen astonished herself. In just one season, the humans had taught her more about her own biology than she had learned in a lifetime of study. How could she turn away from that knowledge? I'll be here to give him his name, she continued, and I won't leave until he has come out of the gardens with his own family. I will do this for the love of him and against my best interests. But I will not sleep with you, Silmian, and there will be no ma'am baby from this family. No more babies at all. I can't be what you want, and you must all accept that. When Tevel and this scrap are grown up, I will go back to Pilato again and study with the humans. I hope it won't be too late. Until then, I will study patience. Ma'am did not unbend. I heard many words, but hardly anything of love. What kind of mother are you? The baby was on the move again, scrambling up the side of Valen's cupped hands. I will love this baby because I have given up so much for him, she said. That is the truth, by my name. It is not a happy ending, ma'am was still not convinced. Tada, said Silmian, this is not a story. Ma'am, Valen tilted her hands to show her the baby's blunt head. Someone's hungry. Ma'am closed her eyes. Her face was hard with grief as she opened her legs. 
Valen laid her hands on Mam's belly and let the baby slip through her fingers. He landed on his back, but flipped himself immediately. Driven by instinct, guided by scent, he crawled unerringly for the pouch. With each heroic wriggle forward that baby took, Mam's face softened. When she opened her eyes again, they were bright as stars. Valen tried to imagine herself as a ma'am, a difference in her family's birth order, and it could have been. Valen could smell the buttery scent of relief melting from Silmian and Tevel. And once the baby had found the nipple, ma'am's nursing bliss filled Valen's nose like spilled perfume. All these happy smells made Valen a little ill. This had certainly not turned out the way she had wanted. She wondered what fool had made all those promises. How could Valen keep them? How could she not? Ma, ma, ma. Tubble hugged Valen, just like she used to. But then she was still a tween and had so much to learn about being a mother. This concludes Love Story, which was first published in the June 1998 issue of Asimov's Science Fiction Magazine. I haven't picked a story for next week, but there will be one coming as soon as I get back from a short vacation in Maine. I hope you'll join me then on the Free Reads Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 